0: it's uh wednesday and it's april 1st 2020 uh, we are teaching to an a room like everybody else is doing uh these national commentators and tv shows and preachers i've been watching some of them and some of them are outrageous when they're by themselves and they don't have a audience participation uh there's something called systematic theology theology comes from two words theos and logos theos is the word God well not little g capital G-O-D it's a study of God's word Logos is the word, Greek word, word, and that's the word, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, and all things were made by the word, by the Logos, and without him was not anything made that was made, and the word, the Logos, was made flesh, that has to be Jesus, has to be, because he was made flesh, so he was the God made flesh, I've been talking to you about predestination. I'm seeing some things about predestination in a more clear light. This has to do with, do with systematic theology. System, there's a system to the Bible, there's a system, systematic. And when you see that he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that is the word ek lego, that word chosen eklegomai. And it means it actually means it comes from Lego, which is the verb form of logos or logos, however you want to pronounce it. I'm not going to pick on that. And ek it means from the beginning. There is a word as a systematic discourse. A discourse is is a speech or a subject laid out in a systematic way. That's what he's chosen us in him according to his system. I've given you these words before, but the word world in John 3.16 is not the word globe dirt, people, or dust. It's not it. It's the word cosmos. And Cosmos or cosmos, it's actually the word cosmon because of where it is in the sentence. I keep saying you've got, you've got uh, in your, if you use a Strong's Concordance, all you get is one word you get cosmos if you look up world in john 316 of course you got feminine you got singular plural masculine feminine neuter gender in the singular masculine feminine neuter gender in the plural a lot of people don't know what gender means i've had a person tell me that recently well masculine means male male feminine means female and neuter means a thing. It would be like masculine or feminine would be a boy or a girl. Or you could call your car a she. They call ships she. And that would be feminine gender. Neuter would be like this desk or a table or the building. It would be something that doesn't have life to it. And then you have the you have nominative, genitive, dative, and accusative case. This is where it is in a sentence <coughs> and how it acts in a sentence. Nominative is the subject or the predicate nominative. And genitive shows possession. I could go in describing all this. I'm not going to do that right now. Genitive, like baptism of repentance, that means true baptism is owned by repentance it is it is it is a possession of repentance, so baptism cannot be water, it has to be blood a blood baptism was a death so that's genitive case, and you've got all these different ways to spell these you've got you've got in the nominative case you've got six ways to spell thee for instance. Or cosmos, and in the accusative case, a dative case is the indirect object. In the accusative case is the direct object. Well, the direct object is actually the same word as cosmos, but it's kosmon because it's accusative case. It re- it actually is the direct object receives the action of the verb where the subject acts so that would be accusative case with the direct object well mr strong only gives you nominative case masculine masculine gender singular if you really want to know what part of something speech is you have to own an interlinear bible and you've got to go into a an analytical lexicon. Mr. Mounts has a real good one. You can order that. Mounts' analytical lexicon. Now, I was saying to you, in systematic theology, there's a system with God. This word world means, it actually means orderly arrangement. God's Bible is orderly in all of its arrangement if i can help you to see that i keep teaching biblical algebra that things equal to the same thing are equal to each other and i want you to learn to do that with the bible because i've talked about how that the bible says over there in uh, in the 10th chapter of hebrews we enter through the veil Veiled, that is to say, his flesh. So the veil of the temple would be the flesh, and the Bible says the veil is the flesh, or the veil equals the flesh, and the flesh equals over there in John, this is in Hebrews 10, starting in verse 18 down through 22. Hebrews 10, and then the veil equals the flesh and the flesh equals the bread and the bread equals the body and the body equals the church that's just an axiom in algebra things that are equal to the same thing are equal to each other so these are all equal and the list goes on and on and that's called systematic theology now cosmos means an orderly arrangement there's another word that means an orderly arrangement that's John 3.16 John 3.16 it doesn't say the Bible doesn't say God loved everybody in the world, everybody just ignores the fact that the Bible says for God so loved the world, so is an adverb, that's a part of the systematic arrangement of God, if you throw so out and that's exactly what the NIV from the original, the original West Cotton Hort, Texas says. God, they say in the NIV, God loves all the world. Uh, that whosoever believes in Him, it doesn't. I'm not going to go into that. Y'all have heard me teach on that. Doesn't say that. So is an adverb. Adverbs tell how, when, where, and sometimes why, and they modify. Verbs, adjectives, and other adverbs. Modify is not a difficult word. Modify means to alter. Alter. So so this word so alters the word actually loved it it modifies the word loved it alters it it means god doesn't love everybody the fact there's an adverb there are the same fashion that you find what the bible says in john 3:14 as moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so the son of men must be lifted up and for god in the same fashion loved the orderly arrangement of in actually that word cosmos or cosmon is masculine gender. That's the orderly arrangement. That's the systematic theology. It all blends together. And I I can spend hours on this word cosmos, on this word love, agape. I will go ahead and say it. Agape, there's two words that have been translated into The English language is out of the Greek. One is the word phileo, and we all know what that means. That means affection, or it means to like. And the Bible doesn't say God so liked the world. It doesn't say that. It's not the same word. Agape is a relationship that kings had for their subjects, and they... Gave them laws and they willingly walked in them. That's exactly right. Here's a really a, a systematic way of looking at this. Second John 6 says this is or this equals walking after the commandments of God. This is love. This equals love or agape that we walk after his commandments can you see what i'm saying everything is systematically ordered together i've been reading uh one of my systematic theology books and that's what he's taught mr hodge it's a good set of it's a three or four uh book set of systematic theology I don't see how you could write a book on systematic theology without writing on the predestination and the sovereignty of God. You have to believe that. And then you've got another word for orderly arrangement. You have the word tasso. And tasso is the word in Acts 13, 48, where Paul said, As many as were ordained... To eternal life believed. That's the only ones that will believe. The ones that were orderly arranged. It was arranged that they should believe. Predestination is true. People get mad at it because they don't know it and they don't understand it. Let me give you my little short version of predestination, why it's true. Here's why it's true as much as anything else, mainly because the Bible says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he be the firstborn among many brethren. You noticed I left out the word might. It's not in the text. There's no maybe to God. So, for whom he did for, no, predestinate. Prohorizzo. You can take the word predestinate and throw it out the window. That's the word in the Greek text. Predestinate. I'm going through the systematic way predestination is all through the Bible. It's everywhere. It's there because of the definition of the word. Pro is our prefix pre. Pre means before. That's what it means, before. And horizo, O R I Z O. What did you put that little, looks like a little apostrophe backwards for? Because that's called a diacritical mark. D I A C R I T I C A L. Diacritical mark. A diacritical mark is a breathing sound. Ho. Horizo, You don't have any H's in the Greek alphabet up here, but you do have an H sound. It's called the diacritical mark. It's actually horizo, and when you look it up, it will spell it out, horizo. but if you look at the, if you look at the Greek word, it will show the diacritical mark, and it'll have O, R. That's the Greek R. Looks like R P. You just take their front leg, knock it off, and uh, you got our R. That's called a row. It's an R. This looks like a P, but it's a capital R. Then O R I, and here's a Z right here. Z is like so. O-R-I-Z-O. That's an omega. Horizo. This is ho-h-horizo. Well, it's actually our word horizon. The latins put an end on it later on, and you end up with pre-horizon. So the people that God foreknew, he has predetermined them for the horizon. That's what predestinate means. It means to predetermine for the horizon or for the light. Predestinate is about light. Everything that the light equals is predestination. It's not the word... People say, I don't believe in predestination. I don't think that God, before the world began, uh, predetermined who would go to heaven and who would go to hell, no matter what they did. Dumb, dumb. <laughs> the light is something you do. It's not, But you won't do that. I started to say a while ago, I'm going to give you a real short version of predestination. The best version would be go to Romans three, ten, eleven, 11, and 12. There's none righteous talking about Jew and Gentile. That's the context. None righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Nobody seeks God. How's anybody going to get into heaven unless God picks himself out a family? But he don't just pick them out, he does something about it. He puts faith in their heart, or believe. Remember, this is all systematic. He puts believe in their heart, and faith is death to self. So in order to be in the light, and not in the dark... Not in the dark. He brings us from darkness to the light. When he births us by his will. Of his own will begat he us. We were born not of blood. Nor of the will of the flesh. Nor of the will of man. But of God's will. John 13 So if you come from darkness... To light or the horizon, the horizon is the demarcation between light and dark. It's a demarcation. And that is the same meaning as forgiveness. And this has to do with forgiveness and prison. Prison is a Greek word. P-H-U-L-A-K-E. Phylake. Phylake means the division of day and night. Notice how all of this fits together. Day and night are light and dark. Anytime you see light anytime you see anything that defines light or any word that has to do with light, it has to do with Jesus. This is how systematic the Bible is. It has to do with Jesus or truth. Thy word is truth or the word of God. John seventeen seventeen. 17. Thy word is truth. And he that doeth truth, that's something you do, comes to the light. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And all those words that have to do with light, that's how God has systematized the word of God. Predestination, without understanding what predestinate means, you're not going to understand all these words that it has to do with. Now, because Israel... Well, let me finish this over. Forgiveness aphesis means to pardon and release from prison. But that's not free. Forgiveness has to be attend repentance, but you can't even repent yourself. You can't do that. That's the Greek word metanoia. Metanoia. M o i a. And if 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 you are repentant, when you repent, that's metanoia. M-E-T-A. M e t a. N O E O, that's the verb. And this is the noun, repentance. Metanoia and metaneo. And that is repentance. And if your brother trespass against you, rebuke him. And only if he repent, forgive him. So, rebuke, the only thing that can rebuke you is God. He's the only one that can affect you because he chooses you before the foundation of the world. But he didn't choose you just to be in heaven. He has chosen you to be conformed to the image. Whom he did foreknow, prognosco, P-R-O. G-I-N-O-S-K-O people will say but he foreknew everybody he did not he's going to say to those on his left hand that come and say Lord haven't we prophesied in thy name thy name cast out devils and thy name done many wonderful works he's going to say depart from ye work iniquity I never gnosko you but the ones he foreknew he simply picked them out birthed them by his will and then he put them on a path where he's going to scourge them so they can be partake of his holiness who does the scourging? God does we don't scourge ourselves he scourges us mastix m-a-s-t-i-x and it comes from mastigo m-a-s-t-i-g-o-o that's the noun here's the verb mastigo is a bloody beating. It was a little whip with pieces of glass and bone in it. That's what they beat Jesus with, With the scourge. And he scourges every son he accepts, he receives. And he brings us from darkness to light. Here's the thing about predestination. God has to, since none seeks after God, nobody... He has to chase himself down a family, put faith in the heart, convict them, and then they're on a road to put to make them conform to the image, to the icon to the likeness of jesus and that will that road is called a narrow way. The word narrow is the word T-H-L-I-B-O. It is the verb form of the noun Philipsis, T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S, and that is the common word tribulation. That's the pathway that we are on. We're on the tribulation. We must, through, we must. That's an imperative statement. We must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. We have to. If we ever go to heaven, it will be on God's path, and it's a narrow way where people are pressuring us on all sides because they don't like this message of predestination. Now, I want to get down to the theological, to the systematic theological points. I don't have time to go through every word I run into. Faith is death to self. If he doesn't teach you death to self, it's man's nature to fulfill himself and have his way. God has to beat you up for a lot of years like he did me to cause you to be willing to live 100% for him. At 80, I want to live for him. I don't want to live for Jim Brown anymore. I just don't like him. He's disgusting, the way I used to be. And there's a part of me, there's always a just a, it's a reflection of our old self in us. It's a thin veneer of self. Paul said I got two men, I got the outer man that serves the law of the flesh, self that's me and I got the inner man which is Christ that insists that the outer man die and that's the path we're on, the tribulation path to cause us to be like Sumorphos that is that's the path we're on, Sumorphos and all along the way The inner man is light in us, light, and the outer man is darkness, is dark. And that's what Paul kept telling those Gentile churches. You were darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. I want to show you the system that I began to discover that, Anytime God is speaking of the Gentile church in the New Testament, He's talking about light. Light is always equated with truth. And anytime you find it, you're going to see the systematic discourse of God. It's just amazing. I've seen things that... I've been seeing them for years, but it's never gotten as clear... As it is now. Now I want to. All of this, it's a system. The reason the Gentiles came to the light is because the Jews went after the darkness. For five hundred years, they were under kings. From the first king Saul, well, he owned the first king, he was the first man king. And he didn't become king until 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel the ninth chapter. The people started complaining in 1 Samuel the 8th chapter and said, We want a king to rule over us. We don't want these two evil sons of Samuel. And they were evil. They weren't the only evil sons. For 500 years under kings, 1st and 2 Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings and 1st and 2nd Chronicles. It's amazing to me in 2nd Chronicles. It's amazing to me how everything in the Bible is a system. It's all systematic. Because Israel was under kings for 500 years, from King Saul to Zedekiah, the last king of southern Judah. God scattered them all over the earth. And this has to do with the 70 weeks. 70 weeks of Daniel. It has to do with the tongues. And it has to do with the fact that God gave all the Jews, the males, three festivals. I wish I could say this all at once without having to go down through this winding highway that you could understand it. But I feel so compelled to paint this picture over and over and over again so you can see the whole thing. It's all one big synthesis. It's like, and I want people to see that. This is something I've been seeing for years and years and years after having read all the scriptures in the Old Testament. So when the Jews went after all of this, God gave them three festivals under the law in Exodus 23, where all the males had to come back to Jerusalem every year. And they had to bring either sacrifice or a half shekel to buy one with. Half shekel. Or they had to bring a lamb. Well, if they've were, if they been scattered all over the world, they can't bring a lamb from over in Spain. They need to bring the half shekel. They can't be coming to Jerusalem from over here in, in Spain and drive some lambs over there. So they'll have to bring a half shekel. And they've been scattered all over the world because they went after all of these... Fire and tree goddesses, fire and tree gods. And that's Baal and the grove, and that's the Christmas tree and the grove. And so God says, I want to give you, give you the 70 weeks of Daniel, 70 times 7, because they had a sabbatical year every seven years that they didn't want to keep where they couldn't plant and they couldn't reap and they said we don't want to do that so they go after these other gods that don't require that Baal and Grove and Shemash and Molech and the list goes on and on so all the males come back every year they're very confused after they've been scattered because there's different dialect and there's a different glossa all over the world Glossa is our word glossary. Means foreign language. And that's the only word for tongue over there in First Corinthians the fourteenth chapter. And there's a reason for that, and y'all know what that is if you've been coming here. They had a different dialect of the of the tongue. And the only reason they translated that tongue was because during King James' time, they would say, what tongue dost thou speak if you were from a foreign land? What tongue? Or what dialect? So this has to do with the Gentiles coming to the light. The tongues were about light, the truth the word of God word of God that's what it was all about they're all the same coming to the light and the Gentiles in Acts 2 because Israel kept going after all of this false gods God said I'll send the sword the famine the pestilence and then I'll send the beast to carry you away and the beast was Babylon Persia, Greece and Rome it's this is all One picture. It's not different subjects. It's one subject. That's all the Bible is. It's one story about one family. It's one man's family. It was a radio show back in the 40s when I was a little kid. I'd hear them come on the radio and you'd hear the organ. One man's family. Let's go and see if John is going to marry Helen. This is about another family. It's about God's family that he foreknew. It's about the Jews. And then when they don't behave themselves, and he scatters them all over the earth, and they come back to Acts 2, God has said, I'm going to blind the eyes of the literal Jews. I'm going to blind their eyes. I'm going to pour out of my spirit on all flesh. There's a different way of saying all flesh because God had only given his truth to one flesh over here in the Old Testament and that was the Semitic flesh. Get the word Semite from the word Shem. And Shem was Noah's second born. You have this one flesh that God gives His laws to. And it begins with Adam. And if you go to Genesis, the fifth chapter, it'll take you down through Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And those were the second born. Uh, The firstborn was Japheth. The thirdborn was Ham. But Shem had the covenant of God. And he took that down to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob's name was changed to Israel. In the 32nd chapter of Genesis, Genesis 32. And his name was changed to Israel. And he has 12 sons. And they become the nation. And that was the one flesh. And he says, at the end times, I'm going to put out of my spirit on all flesh. Well, the Holy Spirit is the truth, and the truth is the light. And what he's talking about, all flesh, pass, sarks. That's all flesh. It means all men of every nation, tongue, and tribe. It doesn't mean every individual he's going to part of his spirit which is the truth which is the light which is the Word of God upon men of every nation tongue and tribe all because Israel went after these gods and he blinded their eyes you can see the blinding of their eyes In Luke, the 19th chapter, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. In Luke, the 19th chapter, let me go on over and read that to you. Luke 19, as he's coming in, they are shouting, God save King Jesus. Hosanna, which means God save the King. And they're shouting, Hosanna. As he's coming in and saying, God save the king. And in verse 38, they're shouting, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from along the multitude said unto him, Master, or Jesus, you rebuke your disciples for calling you a king. And Jesus answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately quiet. What's amazing, he calls us over there in 1 Peter, the second chapter, he calls us lively stones built up in spiritual house. And then it goes on to in verse 41, And when he had come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known even thou at least in this thy day the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from your eyes, you're blind. This is four days before they crucified him. This is four days. And and the Passover lamb had to be kept four days before. This is four days before Nisan 14. And that was on Friday. Jesus was killed on Friday. And that's proof that what I'm going to do is show you how the fact that he was crucified on Friday is kind of, in a sense, equal to the all flesh. All flesh does not mean every individual. It's the same thing as all men. All men. All men doesn't mean every all is the word pos. Men is the word anthropos. When you study anthropology, you study the the structure of man. Anthropology. Anthropos is the word men. Anthro let me just put pos up there, not anthropology. Anthropos. All men. That means red, yellow, white, brown, and black men. All men out of every nation, tongue, and tribe will come to the knowledge of Christ not every individual don't mean that there's some black men in this church that are some of the best friends i have ever had in my life and they're my brothers it has nothing to do with flesh flesh has nothing to do with anything it's crazy Uh talk to terry jukes today a dear brother he said just no he said nobody he's a black man he said nobody's telling the truth i said they're not terry sheldon is black and he's my dear friend here uh glenn is a black man just him and Brittany moved here from from houston just to be around fellowship and the truth i love you guys it color doesn't have anything to do with anything, anything. God pours out of his truth, his spirit, his light upon all men. Let me show you something again. There's a word in, you can look it up in a Webster's Dictionary. It's called synecdoche. This is something that the synecdoche means a part of something represents the whole of something. You've got synecdoche all through the Bible. You've got the synecdoche with all flesh and you've got synecdoche with the day that Jesus died. day Jesus died. The Bible tells us specifically the day of the week that Jesus died. It was not a Wednesday. It was not a Thursday. It was emphatically Friday. Because a part of the day was the whole of the day. Was the whole. Now the verse that everybody wants to use to prove... And I'm using this to show you the all men, not every individual, synecdoche. I heard a preacher preaching on the radio this past week said, some people try to say a part is the whole, and they just don't believe the Bible. You're ignorant. You're just as dumb as a rock. That's not true. Synecdoche is all through the Bible. Let me show you this a part was the whole on the day that Jesus died. Let's look here in Let me go. What does the Bible say about the day that Jesus died? All through the all through the New Testament. The verse that they all use is Matthew 12 and verse 40. Here's the verse they use. Matthew 12, let me read it to you, okay? 12 and 40. But you, you've got to go by the Jewish culture. You've got to study the Bible systematically according to the Jewish culture of the first century, not of 2020. We don't have anything to do with anything. It has to do with what they meant when they said it 2,000 years ago. Listen to Matthew twelve forty. This is what people say. Matthew twelve forty. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the well's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and beheld a greater than Jonas is here. Now so they say, three days and three nights. There is no word for day and night in the Greek text. No no word. Day and night is the word nukthamaron, and it doesn't even mean three days and three nights. It's two separate words that mean something different. Every time Jesus spoke of his resurrection... He would say, I will rise in Matthew seventeen twenty-three, They shall kill him, and the third day he shall be raised again. He will be raised on the third day. That's what it says. And then in Matthew 20 and 19... And the third day he shall rise again. He'll rise on the third day. Mark 9.31. He shall rise the third day. And Mark 10.34. They shall mock him and shall scourge him and shall spit upon him and shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. Luke 9.22. The son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and he raised be raised the third day Luke thirteen thirty two. behold I cast out devils and do cures today and tomorrow and the third day I shall be perfected Luke 24 and 7 the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Luke 24, 21. Beside all this, the dead Look, let me take you to Luke 24. Let me take you to Luke 24. This is amazing. Jesus is resurrected, and I'll try to show you that a part was the whole with the Jews. Luke 24. Jesus is resurrected from the dead on the third day. That's And he's resurrected Sunday morning. And remember, the Jewish days begin at 6 o'clock in the evening and ended at 6 o'clock the next evening. Uh, the evening and the morning were the first day in Genesis, the first chapter. That's why the, their day begins at 6 o'clock in the evening. It does not begin at 12.01 in the morning that we think it begins or doesn't live, doesn't begin at 12 midnight. So Jesus is resurrected and he's walking. And behold, two of two men were walking along and went that same day to the village called Emmaus which was from Jerusalem this is Luke 24:13 and about 3 score furlongs and they talked together and all of all these things which had happened the crucifixion of Jesus these two men and it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were holding that they did not know him. They were blinded; and they didn't know who Jesus was. And he said unto them, and it's in, these are red letters in your red letter Bible, What manner of communication are these that ye have one to another as you walk and are sad? And they're talking to Jesus, and he's walking with them, and they don't know who he is. And the one of them, whose name was Cleophas, answering said unto him, Are you a stranger in Jerusalem, and you've not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth. And they're talking to him, which was which was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people evidently they were believers and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him and he condemned be condemned to death and have crucified him now here he is walking with them and he is resurrected but we trusted that he had that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel beside all this today is the third day since these things were done and he's walking with them on the third day now whether people like that or not Synecdoche is the truth let me give you another thing on this John 19 Jesus is being crucified John 19 Now, this is going to really gall people that want to believe in a Wednesday crucifixion. He was in the tomb part of the first day. They said, the Jews said, if it was against their law to have anybody hanging on a cross or being crucified are put to death on the Sabbath day and they had a Sabbath they had a Sabbath let me erase this and the seventh day I've got to clarify some things for you all right Uh, I don't want to read all this. In the 19th chapter of John, there laid they, verse 42, there they laid Jesus therefore because of the Jews' preparation day. It was the preparation, the preparation. The preparation is the word para. Skene, para, S K E U N E, para Now in the in the Greek that is spelled P A R A S K S K E U A N A to N, P A R A. S-K, the K looks like our K, E, let me give you the exact spelling, E-U-A-D-A-N, E-U-A-D-A-N. Parascuae, that ADA makes this word feminine gender. And it was the Jews the Jews preparation. Jew there is not a noun. Jew is this word Jews it was the Jews preparation day. Jews is a adjective telling which day it was. It was the Jews Preparation, adjective. So this Jews modifies preparation, so it means it was the official preparation of the Jews. That means feminine gender, they call Friday. This is what they call Friday. They call Friday the mother of the sabbath the mother of the sabbath or they called it sabbath eve sabbath eve because it gave rise to to the sabbath day Jesus was crucified on Friday on the Mother of the Sabbath, no other day was ever called Mother of the Sabbath except Friday. No day. Now, people have fought over this and say, well, if they. The reason they called it the preparation of the Sabbath is because they had to prepare food. They were not allowed to cook any on the Sabbath day, they had to light a candle. They could not light any fires on the Sabbath. And they had to pay their tithe all on Friday before 6 o'clock or before sundown. And that's why it was the preparation. It was called the Erubic. That's what this was officially called. The Arubic preparing their food, lighting a candle, paying their tithe. That's what the Jews had to do. On the preparation, there's no possible way he could have been crucified any day but on Friday. And if he was crucified, there was darkness from the 6th to the ninth hour. The sixth hour of the daylight day was 12 noon. They had hours of the day. Their hours begin at 6 o'clock in the morning. The first hour was 6 to 8. The second hour was 8 to 9, 9 to 10, 10 to 11, and 11 to 12. The sixth hour was 12 noon and there was darkness from the 6th hour to the ninth hour. The ninth hour was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It was afternoon. So he was on the cross that day. And if they got him into the grave, they had to get him in the grave before sundown, according to their laws. So if they got him into the grave, let's just say, they got him into the grave at 5.15. And it wasn't sundown yet. They had to count that day all the way back to Thursday at 6 o'clock. At 6 o'clock, and they had to count part of that day, the 45 minutes left of that day. They had to count the entire day. They had to count the next day, all the way to 6 o'clock Saturday evening. And Jesus rose on Sunday morning, but and he's walking with those men on Sunday morning. Sunday morning. He's walking with them and they say this is the third day and he's resurrected from the dead on the third day but they had to count that to six o'clock Sunday evening. you got to go by the systematic theology of the Jewish culture not by what we think of three days and three nights. If I said I went to spend the day with Tom, I didn't mean I spent 24 hours with him I could be 6 or 7 hours and it's still considered the day it's but people don't care about this let me give you another verse on this Mark 16 Mark 16 they had well let me give you one other thing in in John 19 then I'll go to Mark Mark 15 excuse me John 19, and there's another proof that he was crucified on Friday. It was a part of the day. It was a part of the whole. Don't matter whether you like that or not. I've had people write to me, insult me, get sarcastic. If you're going to write to me, you deal with this. And you're going to say, he was crucified three days and three nights. If he was crucified, let me give you some figures here. If he was three days and three nights in the tomb, he would have been 72 hours in the tomb, wouldn't he? Right? Right? Right. (laughs) Look at somebody nodding their head, yes. If he was 72 hours, that would be 4,320 minutes. And if he was in forty three hundred and twenty minutes, that would have been two hundred and fifty nine thousand two hundred seconds. If he had been in the tomb that full time, this is how many seconds he would have been in. If he'd arisen after the two thousand two two hundred fifty nine thousand two hundred seconds and he'd risen, he would have risen just a fraction of a second after that 259,200 seconds. That would have made him resurrect what? On the fourth day! If he'd have been one millionth of a second past that, if he stayed in the tomb three days and three nights, it would have been 72 hours forty three hundred and twenty minutes, two hundred and fifty nine thousand two hundred seconds. That would have been he would have had to risen on the fourth day if he'd arisen one millionth of a second after he spent all these seconds, all these minutes, all these hours in the tomb. He would have had to arisen on the fourth day, and he said repeatedly he, he rose the third day Good grief. I've had more people write to me and want to fight over this. It's because you're ignorant and you don't know anything about Jewish culture or customs or how they said something. Now, let me give you one other verse. In Mark, the 15th chapter. I'm simply trying to show you how a part is the whole and a part is the whole on all men. When God would have all men be saved, all men will be saved, but all men is not every individual. He doesn't want everybody, he doesn't love everybody. He loved Jacob and hated Esau before they were born for either one had done any good or evil. Why would he want a man he don't love? He doesn't love everybody. Now look here in Mark fifteenth chapter. Mark gives you his account of the day Jesus died and when they buried him. Alright. Alright, let me give you this. Mark 15, verse 42. Now, when the evening was come, because it was the preparation, that is the day before sabbath now whether you like it or not it was the the day before the weekly sabbath you can sit and say well if you're crucified on wednesday they had to prepare on tuesday uh to because that makes this a sabbath they never called any of those days the mother of the sabbath or the parisquine they never called any preparation they had to prepare if they if one year was to land on Wednesday the Passover or whatever they didn't call Tuesday the Parascuane that was set aside for the Sabbath they considered the Sabbath day the most holy thing that they could come up with that's why they want to kill Jesus for healing on the Sabbath now Let me give you one other thing over there in John to show you that he died on Friday. What you're doing is making the Word of God askew. You're confusing the Word of God when you try to make, when you try to leave their culture, leave their way, their numbered things, and come up with the way we number things or the way we may say something and think it means that, in 2020. You can't do that. You got to go by what they said. And the way they numbered things. Let me show you this one thing here. In John 19, how much time do I have, Mike? 30. 30. This is going to take me some time to go through this cuz the thing I want to get to is the light for the Gentiles. Or the whole riddle, even even tongues. The word utterance, apo p h t h e g g o m a i. That's the word utterance in the Acts of the second chapter. They all spoke with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Utterance means to speak phthengomai so clearly, to set off a speaking so clearly that it's easily understood. It's the same word as said in in verse 14. Utterance, when you get into the roots of the word phthengomai, it has to do with light because they're going to use this utterance, this speaking clearly, to all these Jews from every nation under heaven that have a confusion of languages and it's going to go into their ears and they're going to take this message back to the Gentile world where they come from and give the light to the Gentiles or give the truth to them. A part is the whole. Deal with it. Now, let me show you one other thing here. Verse 31 of chapter 19 of John. The Jews therefore, because it was preparation parisqueen, it was Friday, that the body should not be remained upon the cross upon the Sabbath day. For that Sabbath day was in high day. High day means one Sabbath sits right up on top of another. That was Nisan 14 and it was the day before the Sabbath which was considered a Sabbath day. Or the day before it was the Passover which was considered a Sabbath day. It was a high day. For that Sabbath day was high day. Besought Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. That is as important as anything in this chapter. Their legs broken. It was against Jewish law to have anyone hanging on a cross or being executed to any degree on the Sabbath day. Why does their legs need to be broken? Because of cross. Because of the way the cross was constructed. The Romans had honed this. They had honed this to a highly skilled torture device. The cross. The cross was probably first used. By the people of Carthage. The Carthaginians. And they discovered Carthage is right up here on the tip of Algeria, up in here. Right over close to Spain. This is the Mediterranean. Israel is over here. And the people of Carthage used this method of killing people, but they hadn't honed it to a torture skill like the Romans. Well, later on, the Phoenicians... Phoenicia, ancient Phoenicia, is what we call Lebanon, right above Israel. Lebanon is right above Israel. And uh, it's also Tyre and Sidon, the very seat of tree and sun worship. And it moved over to here where they got to use using crosses in Phoenicia or Tyre and Sidon. The Romans got a hold of it. They honed this thing to a skill of torturing men. The Romans got a hold of it. And what they did, the people of Carthage and Phoenicia realized that if they put a man on a cross and dropped him into a hole, sometimes he'd thud on the bottom of it, and his body would come flying off the cross. So they constructed this. In such a manner, it would torture this man relentlessly. And they put what they called on a, if they're going to take him out on a hill, this is how Jesus was crucified. And this has to do with, it was the preparation. It was against Jewish law to have a man on a cross on Friday, the mother of the Sabbath or Sabbath Eve. And they had this this centerpiece was called the stipes. And they put a little notch in here, right in the top of it, and in that notch they would take the cross piece. The cross piece was called Patibulum, P I T U P A T I B U L E M. P-A-T-I-B-U-L-E-M. That cross piece was called the patibulum. I used to complain when I was too young to know any better, but I had to change my mind. That's what I'm telling you. You have to do. If you're going to gripe about, well, oh, I don't like the... I want the three days and three nights. That means you're grumpy and contrary. you got to go with the Jewish custom culture. They would... They put a footpiece down here. It was a little shelf where they could put their feet. And the reason for that, the Romans were working right into the hand of God's preordained systematic theological scripture. That's what they were doing. And they didn't even know that. It was against the law to break any bones to break bones of the Passover lamb and when Jesus was on that cross he was the Passover lamb you can find that at the first Passover in Exodus the 12th chapter they had to disjoint the bones of the Passover lamb they had to Disjoin them and eat the lamb. There were about some say half a million lambs killed that day. The men were over here at the temple. they were bringing hundreds of thousands of lambs and a high, and a priest would be over here inspecting the lamb to see if it had any to see if it had any faults in it or any blemishes. And they would say about the lamb, on the same day that Jesus is going to die, they would say the same things that Pilate said that morning when he met Jesus. And he said, I find no fault in him. And they would say, I find no fault in the lamb. They would slit the throat of the lamb, splash the, splash the blood against that altar. And that's what they did here. They said, I find no fault in him. And they took this, this cross piece, the patibulum. I used to resent that when I was a young preacher. I didn't know. They didn't bear the cross like the picture of him trudging along. They had the cross piece, the patibulum, on their shoulders, and they had it had ropes tied down, and they, they would carry the cross piece the patibulum, where they were going. That's why he fell down, and the, and the Cyrenian had to help him bear his burden. He fell down carrying that cross piece because they were heavy. When they got him to where they were going to crucify him, they would take that cross piece, they would nail him to it, they would nail not through the palm here, that what they what we call the palm, it's not it. If it had nailed it through this, what we call the palm, it would have broke the bones of Jesus, and he would have been disqualified as a Passover lamb. They drove the nails, just like we had a picture of Jesus over here. Mary took it home to paint some pictures of it. They had it between the radius and the elderness, so no bone would be broken. But the palm was said by the Jews to go up nearly to the elbow. You see, we don't know what they meant when they said something. You know how frustrated I don't mind somebody not knowing. What I mind is them being so stubborn they won't listen. I've spent 63 years digging through Jewish customs and culture. They didn't drive. When you see some Roman Catholic and they've got stigmata and they're bleeding from that part of the palm, well, I'm sorry, that's phony because that's not where they drive the nails. They drove it right here just above what we call the hand. They call that the palm. Anybody that's got sense knows that. And they carried that petroleum and when they the the passover lamb had to be disjointed so the way the romans constructed the cross they'd have him nailed to that particular and they would twist it backwards to put it in this it was a little indention in that and it was a hooked up place that drive the nails in here and they would tie him with ropes so that he wouldn't come off but the idea was that was that they would keep him alive for days, and the birds would come up on some of these. The cross was used to kill six thousand Jews on the, uh, Jews followers of these uh, this uprising of the gladiators when they killed six thousand of them. Around 60 BC, what was the uh, gladiator's name? Maximus. Huh? The Maximus. What? Maximus. I can't hear you. Maximus. No. <laughs> what Spartacus. Maximus? Huh? The movie that Kirk Douglas made. Not Maximus. Maximus. Spartacus. Spartacus. Spartacus, when he had his big rebellion around 60 B.C., they killed six million on crosses on the Appian Way. That was the main highway that went to Rome. They killed that many. Well, they would put the man twisting backwards, and it would throw his body out of joint, which was required of the Passover lamb. He was out of joint. And being out of joint, he could, he could breathe in, but he couldn't exhale. He could inhale, but not exhale. And the only way he could exhale would be push his feet up on that footstep down there. He could go, and the only way he could get the breath out was push up on that foot piece. And when he did that, He could stay alive, sometimes for five or six or seven days. And the birds would come and pluck their eyes out, pluck the skin off of them, and it was a torture device. But since they couldn't be on the cross on the Sabbath, they would break their legs so they couldn't push up on that step and breathe out, and that way they'd strangle. When they came around to Jesus, he was dead all ready and they break not his legs according to this 19th chapter of John they couldn't have broke his legs God had to see to it that he was dead before they got around to him now that's Jewish culture that's systematic theology whether you like it or not you people don't want to fight me on this it's because you don't know nothing about the Jewish Sabbath now hold me I didn't know I was going to get into all of this. I have had many things to read to you about this. Now, it may take me a while to get through all this. Do I have any time, Mike? Fifteen. Fifteen. Whew. All right. This is all about who was it he told for whom he did for an o. He also did pro Horizon, predetermined for the light. He told that. In Romans 8 and 29, to the Roman Gentile church. He's telling them, I have predetermined you for the light, or the truth, or the word of God, because I have blinded the eyes. I have blinded the eyes of the Jews, and I'm opening up the truth to my spiritual Israel, and people don't like spiritual Israel. I don't care whether you like it or not. A Jew is not outwardly but of the heart. Has nothing to do with the outward part of the flesh. It's not whether you're black or white or red or yellow or gray or brown or tan or pink. A Jew is one whose heart has been circumcised. That's what a Jew is circumcision is of the heart it's not outward and we've become fellow heirs with the jews they're not going to be jews because they live in israel because they have a jewish background they'll be jews because they'll come through jesus christ now i don't know how i can get through much more of this today but this has to do with the spirits in prison Spirits and prison. Remember, I've already given you the word prison, phalake. Phalake means the division of day and night or light and dark. When you see light, that's everything that is righteous, everything that's holy. And the only way we are holy is Christ is in us. He is the light that's in each of us. He said you're the light of the world. And that has to do, that has to do with the tongues, with with utterance, Apo my is a form of every time you find the word light in the New Testament. God's going to use a word off of the thing of my utterance. It means to say something. You'll either say something that's true or not true. When you speak, speak has to do with revealing. When you find the word speak, said, this all has to do with, if it's righteous speaking, it has to do with experience. To expound the light, the light, our utterance. It had. You realize how ridiculous it sounds when you learn these things. How ridiculous it sounds to to even give credibility to the Pentecostal tongues. It's ridiculous. All right. Let's go back to that verse over there in 1 Peter. 1 Peter. I will absolutely have to finish this next week because I've been wanting to go into this and give you everything that I can give you about light. And that's what utterance or said means it it, when it's speaking righteously it's talking about speaking the light or speaking the word of god that's given to the all flesh instead of the one flesh over here but people want to make this thing of spirits in prison something real simple well they were in prison in hell prison is somewhere where you're locked up that was a permanent place that wasn't you couldn't receive a pardon from there. Pardon means to write off all of the offenses. You couldn't receive a pardon when you were in hell. It, what gets me is it's a place where the fire is never quenched. Well, who's it going to burn if the fire is never quenched? It's going to burn the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. Now, look over here in First Peter back to First Peter and we'll go to that verse again that puzzles the whole world. I've never heard a preacher I've looked at, at commentaries on, I've got a whole set of them this is, this is Calvin's commentaries Mr. Calvin says he wasn't real sure what this was talking about. You can't define this spirits in prison unless you go into the definition of the words unless you go through the entire system that we've been going through today you can't get anywhere with it verse 18 chapter 3 of First Peter for it is better if the will of God be so uh, chapter 3 1 Peter verse 18 what did I what did I read, read something else. Well, I may have been reading verse seventeen for it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing for Christ also has suffered for sins the just for the unjust. we were unjust, he was just, just means right just d i k a it's a form of DK which means right. When I talk about living righteously righteous is the word D-I-K-A-I D-I-K-A-I-O A-I-O-S-U-N-E that's the word righteous it comes from DK when you're righteous you do what's right it's not hard you just do right and unjust is the word R D I K A I O O the alphabet negates the word gives an opposite meaning it means not right so the just is the right he suffered for He suffered for sins, the just, the right, for the not right. That's the not right is us. That he might bring us to God, and how he brings us to God is through the resurrection. In the next sentence, you may as well put resurrection because it says here's how he brings you to God being put to death in the flesh and quickened by the Spirit. Put to death. I keep saying this put to death in flesh and quickened ENED quickened by spirit the spirit The Spirit is truth. Truth is what you do. And that has to do with the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that doeth truth cometh to the light. You have to do truth. The Holy Spirit is truth. And the Word of God is the Spirit. And the Word is the truth. So, quicken, Z-O-O-P-O-I-E-O, means to make paleo alive when you're made alive by the spirit you're brought to the light you're put to death there's one word that describes both of these sentences and that is the word anastasis anastasis is the word resurrection and resurrection means to come to life are to be quickened after dying. You can substitute the word resurrection for these two phrases. The resurrection is the means by which he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Whew. I don't know how people. When you see this is the system of the Bible. When you see two sentences or one sentence that expresses itself in one word over here, resurrection, you can substitute resurrection for put to death quickened. Resurrection means to come to life quickened after dying. But you don't quicken yourself. And you hath he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin. And Jesus quickens whom he will in John seven 21. I'm not going to get very far with this. But the ones that were quickened by the resurrection that he's talking to here and that he was talking to in Romans when he said, For whom he did for, no, he also did predestinate, are predetermined for the light, the truth, the light, Some you do this is the system of the Bible everything that I teach goes together everything you're not chasing rabbits you're not going off the subject when you can properly tie together every verse and I have got so many things on the light Isaiah's whole message his entire message because Israel was rejecting God everything that he would say throughout his book was about the Gentiles coming to the light. They were coming out of prison. Do I have any time, Mike? Four minutes. He talks about the Gentiles coming out of prison in the 42nd chapter of Isaiah. He said, "God's going to bring the prisoners out of the prison house, and the Gentiles are going to come to His light." You can't say spirits in prison. If you say spirits in prison to any preacher in the country, every one of them stutter and sputter and say, Oh, we don't know what that means." Well, that may be hell, or that may be uh, the—they have no idea because they won't go into the system. You can't just say, Spirit's in prison, and you don't understand what prison means. I heard a preacher one time say, we're going to wade into the spirits in prison this morning, and I'm not really familiar with it, I don't know what it means. It's like saying, I want to wade into the Mississippi, and I don't know how to swim. I'm going to teach you to swim in the Mississippi River, we're going to try to swim across it. Do you know how to swim? Well, no, I don't. Do you? No. It's a... It's a floodwaters of information. How? You can't just come up. I've spent my life studying Old Testament. All about the Jews going after all these gods. That has to do with Christmas. That has to do with tongues. That has to do with the 70 weeks of Daniel. That has to do with the birth of spiritual Israel, the church. And us coming to the light. I can't go any further because I'm going to come back next week and take you to all the prophets where they're talking about the Gentiles coming to the light. That was a mystery that was hidden through the ages. The the truth was extended to the household of of Abraham when God made a covenant with Abraham and he said every stranger in your household this applies to them too a stranger was a Gentile and then God blinded their eyes until he decided to open their eyes in the New Testament I'll go ahead and pray Uh, I'll come back next week we'll go through more of this I can see this system weaving and winding together and to me this is it's not a bunch of different subjects it's all the same subject synthesizing together well let's go to the Lord in prayer Father thank you for truth Lord I don't even know what to pray for Deliver us according to your will during this siege in America, in the world. This virus, if you want us to stay and preach, that's what I'll do. Fight our battles, and this virus is one of our battles. Lord, fight our enemies in every way that want to stop this. Deal with us. And everything we do, lead us and guide us and teach us this word. We'll praise you for everything that you do, good or bad. But what's bad is up for our good. In Christ's name we pray, amen.